Airfare doesn't make sense. What Mary sees doesn't compute. Only there's no doubt. Right there on TV is Aunt Kit. And she's wearing down to the necklace and turquoise earrings just what she'd worn to her mother's funeral. What sort of demented mojo is this? Beneath the dramatic voiceover, this is the plaintiff, Catherine Schmidt. She says that she purchased airfare for her son so that he could attend her grandmother's funeral. She also said that she paid kennel charges for her son's pet cat, Poster, who couldn't be left unattended and required daily medication for a thyroid condition. This is no mere child's play. Catherine's here in the name of justice, suing her unscrupulous adult child for the price of the round-trip ticket and a kitty condo, an amount in walks Aunt Kit. Mary Gox reaches for her phone. Dower and funeral blacks, obviously coached, Aunt Kit never sneers like that. She takes her place at the stand. And, like that, just like that, Aunt Kit looks completely out of place, a tombstone in the middle of a playground. And just like a headstone, she too is inscribed, defined by a bold white font detailing her name, complaint, and the sum she's seeking. Hello everyone, my name is Sarah Edmonds. I am the editor-in-chief of For Pages Green Magazine. I'm here today with Richard Lease, who is the author of Airfare, which we had the honor of publishing in our second issue. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Airfare. What inspired the piece? What kind of vibe are you going for with it? I suppose um, it's part of uh, a greater project or, I guess, curiosity of mine, which of late has been no longer a new fad or phenom, which is reality TV and how that's shaping the media and the ways that we consume it. And as I've gone through it as a, a younger reader and a younger viewer um, and have since have had children of my own to sort of see the experience of watching reality TV and sort of discerning what's real and what's not real um, through the prism of their interests and fascinations um, was the basic genesis for the overall inquiry into the subject matter. And then from there, I sort of have a connection to the actual case that is written about here in Airfare and had some fun doing research, finding the episode on YouTube and without um, disclosing too much or to protect the names of the innocent, uh, was able to get some more deeper insight into how a show like the People's Court works. And then from there, the story just sort of took over. That's interesting. That has a new depth that I did not think about when I first re- read the story. Um, was was there anything surprising about getting that insight versus what you just see flat on the TV screen? Yeah, there was a lot, um, which I could speak to for quite a while. It would go on and on. I suppose some of the things that I found most surprising was the fact that there were actual talent scouts who go out and look for court cases that are pending or that are in litigation. And they approach the parties who are involved. And if the parties agree to the terms, then they go on TV. And what becomes interesting is it seems that in many instances, 
the case or the immediate dispute often, which is petty, as we know from watching in the first place, it's a form of entertainment. Even that gets pushed to the wayside in favor of the fact that we're going to be on television. And basically, I have no idea if this is the case or not, but they more or less seem to script and sculpt the cases. Um, and it's sort of like an equivalency to Jeopardy contestants where they're looking for not just hyper intellectual people, but people who will play well on the program. And from a writing standpoint, that's what I was interested in trying to pursue. Is it able, am I able to accurately portray the characters on the page as they're sort of meta played on the television screen? That's fascinating. And I think you really do catch that. As you were reading that, there was um, one line that stood out to me again. Um, let me see if I can find it right here the line that says ant kit looks completely out of place a tombstone in the middle of a playground i love that image it kind of speaks to that dichotomy of like this is very much composed for entertainment in the most serious way they can possibly compose it it makes it feel very structured in that manner so i think you do a fantastic job of getting thank you lost. absolutely and do you often choose topics that you have to do so, sort of like live research for when you're writing or is this kind of a unique case this would be regular i am very much interested in the process of uncovering more i guess sort of as some people i've worked with before would say in the service of the story so while there's generally a, a fiction that's driving the idea there's always a component within where I'm allowed to pursue something that I find really interesting or per perhaps troublesome about society and go do the research, find out more information, see how that shapes my understanding, if that informs or shapes the narrative and basically every single time it does. That's interesting. So do you, at what point in the writing process do you do the research? Is it a continuous process? Talk me through the process step-by-step step from idea to completion for you. So for the most part, and every, let's say short story sort of has a, has a life of its own. I have the idea of the story itself conceptualized, but not in any way outlined or plotted out just within my mind, because I like, the freedom for ideas to sort of go wherever I feel of a given moment, as opposed to constantly referencing a document. When that actually takes place is once I have a, a draft completed and feel that I'm ready to go further. Um, it's usually at that point that I begin the research in earnest and start to take a lot of notes and figure out where there's areas that I can bolster the story or what's something that would be an interesting sort of twist or turn that I hadn't contemplated before. And like some writers, instructors might suggest a great way to, to work with a, a story is you've got two characters and a third. I kind of like have many of the characters firmly in place and then enter a bit of something that I've learned or something that I've researched and have them react to that. And usually the story starts moving in a different direction. 
That's great. That's interesting. Have you ever had to like completely overhaul a story because of a piece of re research? Thankfully, never because of a piece of research. What I do find the most difficult would be sort of like verisimilitude and making sure that what I write is aligned with a particular time frame. So if I come across something, um, editors more often than not will point out, yeah, this is really great, but it didn't happen until seven years later, or 10 years later. So I have to just rethink that particular process and then decide um, the value and the balance of what I'd like to keep in versus what has to go. Mm -hmm. It's a great way of looking at it. And I'm glad for you that you have not had that situation where you yeah. have to completely rewrite. I haven't either, but I feel like if I wrote a lot of historical fiction, it would happen more often than not. Um, I agree. I, I don't delve into historic. I admire very much historical writers mm -hmm. um, and the amount of just sheer effort and years they put into that alone um, is just awe-inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what got you into writing in the first place? Where did you start? My parents. So from a very young age, like I imagine most of us um, participating in this and who may be listening in, um, probably had older figures in our lives who read to us when we were little. Um, and that's basically what I remember. Um, being read to from a young age, uh, just a cultivation of a love of stories, um, really just for the sake of stories. And my parents, um, I always give them so much credit. They, whenever I was interested in a book, they let me pick it up. And if it was above grade level, you know, I would put it to the side um, and they would offer their suggestions as well or something that might complement that. I had a, a nice, formative educational experience that was um, driven by some really great teachers who then instilled a love of language on top of the story. And I would imagine it was probably relatively young, um, middle school, high school, where the two just sort of merged. And I became really, really enamored in finding different types of stories and the ways that stories were put together in addition to the story i suppose if i'm lucky in anything it's that i'm able to to do both things at once while reading um appreciate the structure how it's put together i don't get distracted that's great i always think of something one of my film professors said that he can't watch movies anymore because you, you're looking at the structure you're looking at all the little details and I feel like when I first started grad school, I had sort of the same perspective with writing stories as well. I'm like, I know all the little quirks, not all, of course, not all, but the structure can be distracting and it takes a while to get out of that, I think, as a writer to be able to just enjoy stories like that. So Yeah, I understand completely. And um, I found one antidote is I like to generally have four or five titles going simultaneously um and usually of sort of a different genre and um you know begin and continue reading usually one um from that little group takes the lead and i just wind up you know 
ripping right through it and then replacing that book and just working through that particular way and it just keeps me involved more in finding like really cool storylines that i want to read about as opposed to like you said winnowing down into the structure which um we develop everyone who writes develops the capacity to do it's just however interested you are in it which we both very much are obviously mm, absolutely and do you have any favorite authors either for story or that you just really love their structure so when it comes to pure narrative um emily st john mandel i love the last well like three all of her stuff but the last three books that she put out um jonathan franzen i think writes really compelling narrative charles baxter really great stories uh cormac mccarthy then to sort of shift like my favorite authors where you get the wonderful story and then of course um the fabled structure and syntax and then the sort of writers that he read and was really fond of um obviously william faulkner and then faulkner and tony morrison uh interestingly though like i said i'm pretty much a fan of everything so um stephen graham jones my heart is a chainsaw is a book i've really enjoyed recently and um i think cormac mccarthy said really the only book recently um that he had a lot of admiration for was fear and loathing in las vegas so writers like hunter s thompson who have all that sort of far out wacky gonzo journalistic style um yeah pretty much you name it i i'll find something to enjoy i love that and do you also experiment in, not experiment but you have such wide reading tastes. You also have wide writing tastes. Like, do you write across genres or do you feel like you enjoy literary pieces like this? Yes. So without question, I write pretty much literary commercial, I guess, mainstream literary. That being said, every single out, so I know what you meant by like experiment. I'm not like a real experimentalist like Calvino. Um, but with it, I like to experiment with form and try, like I find writing comedy to be extremely difficult. So trying to write something funny versus the manuscript I'm currently working on, which is really dark and bleak, I guess I'm drawn more towards the darker, bleaker side. So when it does come to experimentation, it's fun to work with a comedy or just situations that I find sort of wacky and bizarre and, um, Again, interesting to contemplate with social relevance, but not, you know, heavy in tone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And is, um, is social relevance, social commentary a big part of your work then? I would say it drives pretty much any major project that I want. So, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> some, some aspect of something that's going on. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And if you don't mind, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but could you tell us a little bit about the manuscript you're working on without giving too much away? Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking. So we recently sold, um, I guess not recently, the press takes a while, going on a couple of years now, um, a novel called Being Dead. And it's put out by wonderful editors, um, Steve and Heather, that I've been working with um 
I should say publishers, but they have an editorial hand. And it's basically, again, socially, so this is where I was talking a little bit where some of the history could trip me up. I said it in the 1980s because uh, it was just an era that I was really interested in looking at a little bit more um, with regards um, to basically two social issues, more or less um, organized religion and the community that I lived in at the time. So uh, a look at sort of where I grew up and what that looked like in the 80s um, and then sort of the religiosity of the period, which, again, is pretty interesting because you don't think of the 80s as being that long ago, but it's coming kind of quite a while ago now. Um, and then basically the heart of the story is they're um, twins um, and one of the twins dies in a, an incredibly tragic manner and she comes back to speak with her brother and sort of guide him through his grief and at the backdrop of that is sort of the protocol like the expectations of the community church how people should be handling death properly and obviously what his sister has to say goes up against that that's what creates the the conflict and the tension and we're never quite sure if she's there um, or if it's a mechanism that he's using to deal with um, and some of the residual fallout that his parents are dealing with. That sounds fascinating. Um, you'll definitely have to let us know when that's out so we can, so I can read it personally. And I also, yeah. um, Thank you. I believe we're aiming for October. Great. Great. There have been a couple of delays, like with a lot of, of books of late, but yep, hopefully October. Awesome. Well, congratulations with that. Thank you. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about what it's been like working with the press, working with publishing publishers? <laughs> sure. Um, it's my experience has been absolutely fantastic. I I'm not sure again if I had mentioned this or if it's um, in the magazine, but it, I learned a lot through my MFA program, working with really fantastic and patient, um, just wonderful novelists. And they gave us a lot of what to expect, sort of when you're expecting a book to come out. And so I was prepared for a lot of it. I think you hear a lot, it's going to take a long time, it's going to take a long time. And you doesn't really quite sink in until you realize, holy cow, this does take a long time. So from maybe like the first sentence to this October, something like five years, six years, um, can't even begin to tell you how many, you know, rewrites and edits. But what's really fun is once you do uh, move forward with the project and you're assigned an editor, um, at least for me, it becomes every writer's dream. You've got somebody who's devoted to your work as much as you are, um, who in this case, and in many cases, is a lot brighter than you are, um, knows how to approach things from not just even a publishing perspective, but going back to things we were talking about, like structure and simply moving a couple of passages around to heighten effect to maintain that tone as opposed to the tone dropping off and again as you know um you become so close to the work you just miss a lot of things that you probably would have picked up if you were doing the same for somebody else so just really 
the biggest thing is that it's really exciting. It's fun. It makes it all worthwhile. And you walk away with a bunch more friends. That's so wonderful. And I think it sounds like a fantastic change of pace from the initial drafting process, because writing is such a lonely thing at first. And that community sounds like so much fun the way you describe it. It really is. The only, like, again, I love writing. It's, I, there's really nothing negative I can say, except just that sometimes the isolation, um, you know, you'd like to be with your family or just when you're with your manuscript, you want somebody else. I mean, I personally, to quote some other people, write like to be read and what you spend 99% of your time writing, it can just become sort of lonely and you get sort of lost and like, why am I doing it? And then when somebody, you know, picks it up, pats you on the back, it, it's a really nice feeling and gets you excited to do the next work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I had a question that I thought of as you were speaking and it's gone out of my head. It does not exist anymore. <laughs> um, I'm sure I will think about it at midnight tonight. Um, yeah, I know how that goes. And sometimes I can get a little tangential. But again, it does come back to just really like ha- having those connections and, and like friends of the book is like an, another fun way to think of it. And like advocates, it's one thing to be in a workshop and have people like critique and support pages, but it's another to have somebody almost take it on as their own as well. That's how I like to to work. At least it's almost just as much theirs as it is mine now. That's a fantastic way of looking at it. Absolutely. I remembered the question. Um, So I'm curious, do you find that you prefer short form writing or long form writing since you've done both? It's a great question. And I think... um, because this is something I think about all the time. I absolutely love short stories and writing short stories, and I'll do it forever. And I think I'll be hopefully writing novels forever. But if one ever had to fall by the wayside, I think I would continue writing short stories um, if I could only do one. I really enjoy reading novels. Uh, the experience as much, I love reading a short story and then putting it to the side, but I love getting sucked away and reading a novel. And I, so I sometimes feel, I must feel that way as a writer, but there's just something really fun about thinking of a short story, executing a short story, and then having people read the short story and it, it comes across the way that you want it to. It's, it's like a great single on a record as opposed to the album. And I love both. That's a fantastic way of looking at it. I think of short stories and I think of the wonderful um, community around them with literary magazines and journals. Uh, Novels have book clubs, novels have reviews, but I feel like there's really no way to compare the, uh, the culture surrounding short works that exists now. I agree. That's a a really great way to put it. And another thing that I'm drawn to, again, that brings you and I talking together today. And then some of the, you know, the heroes that we look up to in the forum, again, they've always sort of maintained that community. And it's like a a different sort of 
of pride and banner that you can see within their community and appreciation for the form because uh, you know as well as anyone, it's, they're really, really hard to write and to write well. So when to see a short story um, in a journal and the publications and subscribing to a journal or a publication because you've come across this great writer, um, it's really exciting. And then sometimes when some of my favorites will publish something um, in one of the journals as well, it's really cool or part of their novel. It's just, yeah, it's a wonderful opening to, you said, like community. Absolutely, absolutely. And I really love um, how accessible it is. We were talking earlier about social commentary, social theme, um, themes and i feel like short stories and literary journals magazines can all do that with a bit more abandon than novels can we can have these full commentary pieces without worrying about publishers reviews quite as much um i personally love that and I feel like you might too, since those themes are, are what resonates with your work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the the platform that it gives to a lot of younger writers, up and coming writers, you see conversations sort of being held across the playing field. So I don't do a lot by way of social media, but on Twitter, it's so easy to swap short stories or for somebody to post, hey, look whose story's out. Um, in a smaller publication or a new short story from somebody that we've been reading for a long time um, appears in one of the journals that has been around since the 50s. It's just like, yeah, a really strong and cool literary tradition. Mm, absolutely. Um, novels are still great, though, and I cannot wait to read yours uh, Thank you. <laughs> when October comes around. Um, after, I know this is a far off distant question but do you have plans for a new novel after this one or are you gonna take a minute and dive back into short stories so i am currently working to place uh, the next novel so it's actually i do have a manuscript completed and i'm working with some people right now trying to find a place for it um which is really exciting it's it was a long time, as I mentioned before, the time process, and it's it's definitely written and it's out, and I'm excited to see where that's going. And then there's a couple um, publications. I guess we didn't really touch on this specifically, but a publication like your own um, had an open call, so I was really interested in trying to get something together for that. And a couple other um, publications only open during certain times of the year. So I've been working to get those submissions in. And since that work's done, now I am starting a new novel to keep um, the hopeful pattern going. So a combination of both where there's a finished manuscript and I'm working on the other end and actively writing another um, with a couple short stories sprinkled in. Nice. And do you usually try to keep busy like that? Always have something going? Yeah. Basically, if, um, and I'm pretty sure I can say this with certainty, every writing instructor 
I've had has always had great advice, but when it came down to has everybody ever said the same thing, they've all said just make sure that you write for 20 minutes a day or 40 minutes a day. Don't worry about the word count. As long as you're actively writing, um, you're going to be producing something. And for me, over many, many years, that's just worked its way into a slightly larger goal of trying to get across X number of pages or whatever I have time for with a particular story or novel. And the grind of writing a novel, um, it's fun to just take a break and, and jump into a short story knowing I don't have to continue like really thinking things, you know, 200 pages down the line. Absolutely. And on the topic of advice, you, you don't have to repeat yourself if this is the case, but if you could, if you personally could give other writers out there any one piece of advice, what would it be? So I definitely would begin with what I do strongly believe in, and that is to, no matter what, write for 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, just build some time in where you're actively doing it. Because I've found that if you step away from the story, um, for as much fun as it can be to go on vacation, when you come back, you can really notice what it is that's been lost. So now on vacation, I've, I start writing um, by hand. So my other piece of advice that, again, was taught to me, so it's nothing original, is to, as much as now I, I completely write um, on a, a PC or a laptop, but as often as you can, just put pen to paper and actually feel the connection of writing and at least for somebody my age, how it was that I learned to connect putting sentences, thoughts, ideas together. And it really does produce different work, a different aesthetic, a different feel. And I enjoy what comes out of that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's been really great talking to you. Yeah, you as well. <laughs>